God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And I'm joined by Leonora Cravota. Hello, Leonora. Hello, Scott. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We were talking before the show about... What were we talking about? Oh, what I was talking about is um, how when the Soviet Union uh, collapsed, uh, you know, there was some reference to some of Lenin's comments about Christmas in his essays. And I, and the point I was making to you in the pre-show comments was that <laughs> some, of the, uh, some of the things he said about Christmas and socialism, I think, are somewhat relevant to today. So let me just quickly read a couple of comments. He described Christmas in an essay. This is Lenin as spiritual booze, the bamboozling of the workers, and the humbugging of the mind. And then he, apparently he didn't realize he was making some type of uh, unplanned homage to It's a Christmas Carol. And he made the comment with the humbugging of mankind. He said, the modern class conscious worker reared by large-scale factors by the by large scale factory industry and enlightened by urban life contemptuously casts aside religious prejudices leaves heaven to the priests and bourgeois bigots and tries to win a better life for himself here on earth the proletariat of today takes the side of socialism which enlists science where have we heard that before <laughs> in the battle against the fog of religion and frees the workers from their belief in life after death by welding them together to fight in the present for a better life on earth now think about that i mean again here we go about science we all have to listen to, this, to science this you know is taking us away from our faith and look at what's happening with christmas again this year we've had we had the supply chain problems that we were hearing about and the concern that presents and uh, packages wouldn't get there in time santa claus wouldn't arrive all you know all these things we're hearing about and then on top of that so now Christmas- I, I just want to make one yeah. more point and then on top of that now because of covid which was impacting the supply chain we have a whole slew of flights canceled on what is 
the, probably the second biggest travel day of the year. What being the biggest? Uh, the one before Thanksgiving. Yeah. And I, I think I have that right. And so we have all these people that have gone through hoops and hurdles to get because of COVID to go see their families now without flights. I mean, again, this is the state, the state saying this is what's good for you. Let's let's mask up again. And and in doing that, they are denying people the right to congregate with their family and friends. They are denying people the right to be in person to celebrate what is one of the holiest days of the year on the Judeo-Christian calendar. Yep. Christmas and Christianity and faith unite us as families. And that they've been trying to destroy the family unit for a, for a long time. Yeah, they have. Because been. we think independently. We we're government is not our god. God is our god. And so, when they want to replace that, that's exactly what they're doing. They want to be the almighty government that controls uh, you. So basically, if you need a stipend, they'll provide it for you. But if if you uh, but you need to work, yeah, and um, you know it's not much different than if you were to go back and look at some of these epic Irish tales, Rob Roy, uh, Braveheart, you know where the governments would go into Scotland, uh, the English government would yeah. go into Scotland and and tax the villages and take everything that was yours that you worked for, yeah. and if you didn't pay. You were crucified in more ways than one. And uh, that's ultimately the kind of power that they want. They want this control. It's exactly, and if it's not, if that's not true, I mean, if it's exactly what, the, what they're doing. It's exactly what Open Borders is about. It's exactly what it's about when they mess up in Syria or they mess up in Afghanistan. How convenient. Oops, we made a mistake. And it turns into a refugee crisis. Yeah. And again, it's all about population control. I've been saying it for years now. And that is that globalism is all about moving people around the world. It's about taking people out of huts and villages. Instead of building up that land, like any good developer could and would, if they have the means and the money, but they won't do it that way. They'll take the people out of the villages, which destroys that land, leaves it vacant for who to take? Defenseless. So the European globalists or the American globalists, the liberal commun- communists, they call themselves globalists because communism is a negative word. And liberal, you know, liberalism is, is fairly negative. Well, it's I think become negative. It's been bastardized. Um, and one yeah, thing we have and, to remember is communists have killed many people. Globalists, one world, all these things. But there's no excuse. This whole Omicron thing, and these people that have been disadvantaged at the airports and their families are being torn apart, all the messaging that's being done, where if you're not vaccinated, you're going to have a very, very uh, risky, uh, negative experience this winter. Merry Christmas. And in addition, they want to divide the families. It was uh, Dr. Fauci not too long ago 
uh, basically, you know, was all bah humbug, right? Yeah. And he, he basically said, um, I have the clip actually, but he said, when asked the question, um, uh, I don't I don't have it handy, but he he was he, he basically said no. I don't, I don't recommend getting together for Christmas uh, if you're unvaccinated. Don't go. And he, and he basically said the same thing last year. I mean, so we're you know when you move forward as we move forward as a people, we'll, you know. Uh, the only r- rational discussions of COVID that I have heard is to accept that COVID is just part of our lives, but we have to get on with our lives. We can't shut down businesses. We can't shut down communities. We just need to learn to live with it, just like we learn to live with other diseases that have happened. And the, and the, re- and the reality is that now it is two years. We're coming on two years of this, and we, we're back to where we started in no, some ways. No, and here's the problem. The, the, the bigger problem for me is we're being forced yeah. to listen to them. It's like, okay, I understand you may have gotten it wrong. You may have made a mistake. But do I have to continue to listen to you? Like, when does this end? When when does your negligence end? When do I have to keep putting a jab in my arm? You know, these people have been all over the fence. And, uh, you know, and for what? You know, they, they've been proven wrong over and over again. And it's just one of these things where I was still looking for that uh, that clip. Oh, right here. Fauci tells Americans. Okay, so here it is. So uh, this, is just, this is just a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas for, to you. Let's take a listen. This is negative. If someone in your family isn't vaccinated, should you ask them not to show up? Uh, yes, I, I would do that. I mean... I- <laughs> so in other words you're turning your family into lepers i mean we, yeah, we i mean we had right? i thought we had made progress against this because people were vaccinated and here's the other thing if one person isn't vaccinated and everybody else is vaccinated the you know and, and sometimes people are not vaccinated for various reasons and that's why it's good that we have the rapid tests okay but to suddenly now be telling people to shun their family members again this goes back to communism socialism and communism Communism, and and it's in my mind, it's a little bit ironic that a disease that came from a communist country is turning us into communists. Wow, you know, actually, I mean, I never, I mean, it's very simple, and I never thought about it that way. Never put it that way, but 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 it's very true. Yeah, that's actually a very good point. Um, Here's Dr. Fauci talking about asymptomatic spread. Okay, I think it's kind of interesting. Let's take a listen. This is way back. This September, I don't know, 20, this was in 2020. Asymptomatic transmission, it impacts certain policies that you do regarding screening, etc. But the one thing historically people need to realize that even if there is some asymptomatic transmission, in all the history of respiratory-borne viruses of any type, asymptomatic transmission has never been the driver of outbreaks. Okay, so let's think about that. Asymptomatic. If you're not symptomatic, if you're symptomatic, you don't go out. Right. If you're symptomatic, you put a mask on. Right. But if you're asymptomatic, you are unlikely to spread, according to 50 years of Dr. Fauci. Right. Now, all of a sudden, he's changed himself. Right. He's done, done a, 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 a flip. You know, he's, he's doing a gymnastic move. But here is Dr. Maria Van Kerkhove. Okay, she is from the 
World Health Organization. Let's take a listen to what she has to say about asymptomatic the cases, spread. They're following contacts and they're not finding secondary transmission onward. It's very rare. And that not m much of that is not published in the, in the literature. From the papers that are published, there is one that came out from Singapore uh, looking at a long-term care facility. There are some household transmission studies where you follow individuals over time and you look at the proportion of those that transmit onwards. Um, we are constantly looking at this data and we're trying to get more information from countries to truly answer this question. It still appears to be rare that an asymptomatic individual actually transmits onward. What we really want to be focused on are, is following symptomatic cases. If we followed all of the symptomatic cases because we know that this is a respiratory pathogen, it passes from an individual through infectious droplets. If we actually followed all of the symptomatic cases, isolated those cases, followed the contacts and quarantined those contacts, we would drastically reduce. I would love to be able to give a proportion of how much transmission we would actually stop but it would be a drastic reduction in transmission. If we could focus on that, I think we would, we would do very, very well in terms of suppressing transmission. But from the data we have, it still seems to be rare that an asymptomatic person actually transmits onward to a secondary individual. And this is uh, all their experience. That was the biggest revelation. Yeah. That was a game changer. Because without... If you if you draw the conclusion that asymptomatic spread uh, is unlikely, and all her data suggests that it is, all of Dr. Fauci's experience suggests that it is, then then what you're left with is you're left with um, an idea that we we should have never had a lockdown. See, the whole idea of the lockdown was asymptomatic spread. Right. Because if you're spreading and you don't even know that you have it, meaning you're asymptomatic, you don't know that you have, you're sick, and somehow you can give it to somebody else, that was the game changer that caused the lockdown. Right, because if you really are feeling, or if, you're real, if you are having symptoms, you're going to, first of all, you're going to realize something's wrong and you're going to stay home, you know, to protect yourself and protect others. Plus, you're going to feel so awful, you're not going to go out. Yeah. So, so you, you know, so you've ruled that out. And then if we're saying, and then if, and then if she's saying that asymptomatic people are not spreading, what's the area in between? The area in between is somebody who is symptomatic but just hasn't yeah. felt bad enough yet to go, to, to realize it. I mean, so, so there's a very small window in there of, of risk, if you're understanding what I'm saying, right? So, so but let's take a look at look, because I think there's more going on here. Yes, I do. That meets the eye, and let's take a listen to uh, Bill Gates uh, again. We're gonna. It's near the end of the year. We want to actually um, get to motivation here, and uh, let's take a we're listen. We're taking to this. things that are, you know, genetically modified organisms, and we're injecting them in the little kids' arms. <laughs> we just shoot them right into the vein. But you don't have a choice. People act like you have a choice. Normalcy only returns when we've largely vaccinated the entire global population. And, and so uh, $10 billion over the next 10 years uh, to make it the year of the vaccines. What does that mean exactly? Well, over this decade, uh, we believe unbelievable progress can be made, both inventing new vaccines and making sure they get out to all the children who need them. Uh, we could cut the number of children who die every year from about 9 million to half of that 
uh, if we have success on it. And the, the benefits there in terms of reducing sickness, reducing the population growth, reducing the population growth. So we've got population. Now the world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. So we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. The benefits there in terms of reducing sickness, reducing the population growth. So reducing population growth, that's the key. That's, that's what they're talking about. And then you have Jane Good Goodall, the woman from Born Free and all that, the safari woman. Let's take a listen to what she we has to say. We cannot hide away from human population growth because, you know, it underlies so many of the other problems. All these things we talk about wouldn't be a problem <clears throat> if, there were, if there was the size of population that there was 500 years ago. And there you go, right there. You know, so that's human population growth. Human population growth is a big concern, just like cow flatulence. This is morphing into climate change as well. And we've talked about that. 97% of the scientists using the same set of data comes up with the same conclusion. Once upon a time, we played a really great exchange between Ted Cruz and the guy from the Sierra Club. And Ted Cruz just ate the guy's lunch, right? And it was a fantastic exchange. You know, but the problem is there is a motive here for these radical lefties to achieve their utopia. And it's all about global population and moving populations around. Let's just take a listen to this classic with regard to demographic changing from a globalist that you know, Joe Biden. Let's take a listen to this. An unrelenting stream of immigration. Non-stop. Non-stop. Folks like me who were Caucasian of European descent for the first time in 2017 will be in an absolute minority in the United States of America. Absolute minority. Fewer than 50% of the people in America from then and on will be white European stock. That's not a bad thing. That's a, that's a source of our strength. So, so uh, again... That's, that's exactly what they're looking for. See, the, the problem is this demographic control, control and manipulation is happening too quickly. And it's only happening in parts of society for middle-class workers. By the way, um, if you'd like to call in, um, you can call in at 215-TOP-TALK. That's 215-867-8255. That's 215 215- Eight six seven, eight two five five, and you know lately uh, we've been uh, playing around with this because we're trying to get other show hosts to be able to use this same system. And one of the problems that's happening is uh, it when people are calling in, it's ringing to another device, uh, a mobile device, and so we we have a couple of kinks that are that are still. Um, over the break of Christmas holiday, I think I'm going to be working on this some more and trying to fix this There's problem. There's still a few bugs in the system, yeah, as Toonsbury used to say. Yeah, absolutely. But if you want to call in, um, we're going to try to make it work. It's uh, two, uh, 
It's 215-867-8255. That's 215-TOP-TALK. Um, all right, so we've talked about this now where they have motive, population control. They want to control populations. We've seen it with the demographic control, with importing slave labor, with importing voters, uh, with using this pandemic as a uh, way to cheat on elections, to install all the dream goodies that they wanted. They wanted mail-in balloting and voting, and they weren't going to get it. They wanted to kill off people and reduce the world's population from 9 billion to 6.5 billion. And they could never pull that off. Jane Goodall said it's an extreme concern. We have to address population growth. And, you know, of course, they sit around and they say, well, we can't certainly kill people. But we can install socialized medicine, which is one of the things Bill Gates talked about. They could push abortions, which is what the liberals talk about. They push abortions. You know, so when at the end of that clip, again, right here, uh, I'll go ahead and play this one more time. This is uh, right here. We're taking things that are, you know, genetically modified organisms and we're injecting them in little kids' arms. We just shoot them right into the vein. Right here. I'll, I'll, I'll get to the point right here. Listen to what he says, the three things. Reproductive health services. We could lower that by perhaps means health care, reproductive health services. We could lower that by health care, reproductive services, and new vaccines. That's what he said. Health care is socialized medicine, death panels. Reproduction services is a kind word for abortions, killing babies. And vaccines, new vaccines, he says, new vaccines. So you just jab them in little kids. And you can even use those vaccines, which in this case, the RDNA thing is not really a vaccine because it doesn't even have the virus in it. So technically, it's not a vaccine. And you got to get to the point where you got to say, are they going to try to impact our ability to have babies? It was done in China. And it seems like we're doing everything China wants to do. China basically said you're only allowed to have one child. Yeah. And uh, they're they're controlling that reproductive right that you have, that inalienable right. It's, it's really incredible. So we've already talked about the lies, the asymptomatic lies. But there's more. Friday, January 31st, we're gonna, 2020. We're going to take a listen to this. We've been wanting to listen to this clip all week. And this is damning. This is the origin of the COVID and Fauci's cover-up. Wait till you take a listen to how Fauci used his own letters and had secret meetings and to, to cover his tracks with respect to gain-of-function, colluding with China. And again, I believe this was a bioweapon. And it was exploited by the, the radical lefties to control populations. And this was an experiment, a joint operation between the United States and China. And I believe this. I've read a lot. I've know, I know what I know. And I don't have every piece of the puzzle. But I have a, enough to paint the portrait. 
and uh, in terms of data. And let's just take a listen to what Jim Jordan has to say. Because there's only just a few of us that are going to remain skeptical and not just blindly drink the Kool-Aid and take the poison and go along with the government. Who's lying to you? 10.32 p.m., Dr. Fauci gets an email from Christian Anderson. Christian Anderson's a British researcher who's received numerous grants from NIH. Two really important sentences are in that email. Two sentences that get Dr. Fauci's attention. The first is this. The unusual features of the virus make up a really small part of the genome. So one has to look really closely at all the sequences to see that some of the features look engineered. Again, this is January 31st, 2020. Second sentence, Eddie, Bob, Mike, and myself all find the genome inconsistent with expectations from evolutionary theory. Email arrives 1032 to Dr. Fauci on January 31st, 2020. Two hours later, two hours later at 1229 in the morning, Dr. Fauci sends an email to his top deputy, Mr. Hugh Oshenkloss. Guys, worked for Fauci for 15 years, part of his inner circle. Sends it, subject line says, important in all capital letters. The, he attaches a paper on gain-of-function research written by Dr. Barrick and Dr. Xi. Dr. Xi, of course, is the so-called bat lady, bat woman, the lady who does research in the Wuhan China lab. This email, Dr. Fauci says, again, to his top deputy, it is essential that we speak this a.m., Keep your cell phone on. Read this paper. You will have tasks to do today that must be done. Notice the intensity. Notice the focus. I mean, this is the house is on fire email here. Now, two hours after that, at 2.48 in the morning, Dr. Fauci's busy this morning, 12.29, that email he sent to Dr. Oshenkloss, his top deputy, two hours later at 2.48 in the morning, he sends another email, this one to Robert Cadlick. Assistant HHS Secretary, Trump appointee, not part of his inner circle, and he attaches a different article to this email, one that says the virus came from an animal that downplays any lab leak theory. Now, again, notice the tone of this one. Bob, this just came out today. Gives a balanced view. Best, Tony. I mean, totally different from the previous. This is one like, oh, if you get a chance, read this. Gives a balanced view. So the tone is different, but also that sentence, gives a balanced view, It's not true either. That's just not accurate. This article downplays, as I said, the lab leak theory emphasizes evolutionary cause to the virus. What happens next? What happens next? Later that same morning, later that same morning at 11.47 a.m., Dr. Fauci's deputy gets back to him. I just want to read you this whole email. The paper you sent me, the one he sent him on that was written by the virologist from Wuhan, China, and Dr. Barrick. The paper you sent me says the experiments were performed before the gain-of-function pause, but have since been re- reviewed and approved by NIH. Not sure what that means, since Emily, someone else who works for Dr. Fauci, is sure that no coronavirus work has gone through the P3 framework, which, of course, is the oversight body that's supposed to approve any grant dollars going for gain-of-function research. No coronavirus work has gone through the P3 framework, Final sentence, she will try to determine if we have any distant ties to this work abroad. She will try to determine if our fingerprints are on any of this. All these emails happen in 13 hours. So 13 hours after Dr. Fauci gets the initial email from Christian Anderson saying, looks like this virus is engineered, not consistent with evolutionary theory. 
Dr. Fauci knows some important facts. First, Dr. Fauci knows there's a lethal virus on the loose that started in Wuhan, China. Second, he knows the American taxpayers have funded gain-of-function research in Wuhan, China. Third, he knows that the research grant didn't go through the required oversight board. Fourth, he knows the virus, quote, looks engineered and, quote, not consistent with evolutionary theory. And finally, fifth, Dr. Fauci knows he may have ties to this work in China. His fingerprints, in fact, may be on this. So what does Dr. Fauci do next? After he says, oh, whatever, what does he do next? He organizes a conference call for later that same day. I mean, this is the busiest 24 hours I think I've ever seen. He organizes a conference call, 12 people on the call, Dr. Fauci and 11 virologists from around the world, virologists who've gotten millions of American tax dollars over the past several years. Now look at this list. Here's the list of people. There's only two Americans on the list, Tony Fauci and one other. Most of them are from around the world, as I said. I think the first thing you notice is who's not on the call. Who's not on the list? Is Dr. Cadillac on the list? The guy he sent the email to at three in the morning? Is Dr. Redfield the head of CDC? Dr. Girard, who's with us today, assistant secretary at HHS at the time? Dr. Burks, the lady who's soon to be COVID response coordinator? In fact, there's no one from the government on the call except Tony Fauci. Tony Fauci and 11 other individuals who got a bunch of American tax dollars over the years. What happened on the conference call? The short answer is we don't know. We don't know what they talked about. I mean, I, got a, I think we've got a good idea. We don't know for sure. But we do know what happened four days later. Four days later, February 4th, 2020, Christian Anderson the guy who started it all, who said the virus looks engineered, Christian Anderson said this four days later, the crack, the quote, the crackpot theories going around at the moment relate to this virus being somehow engineered. That is demonstrably false, close quote. What? In four days, this guy went from this looks engineered to now that's demonstrably false. Four days, he went from this isn't consistent with evolutionary theory. Now we know it's totally evolutionary, but it gets even better. It gets even better. Mr. Anderson And three of the other people on this call write an article a few weeks later that says COVID is not a laboratory construct. This is where the circular reporting begins, right, Leonora? Yep, absolutely. All right, so let's continue to listen. And while they're writing that article, there's an email from March 6th where Mr. Anderson offers to let Dr. Fauci edit the article before it's published. Oh, my. And here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. When the article is published, Dr. Fauci cites it at a White House press conference when he is asked by a reporter about the origin of the virus. Cites the very article he put in motion on the conference call and he was allowed to edit. At the White House, where he's supposed to be giving the American people the truth, he references an article that he manufactured. Now, maybe I'm wrong about all this. Maybe it didn't work out this way. I think I'm right. Maybe it didn't work out this way. But it would have been nice, Mr. Chairman, if Dr. Fauci would come today and answer our questions. He could have come here and defend himself, but he didn't have the courage to do it. And you know else who wouldn't come? Remember that email about the P3 framework? We invited Dr. Hassel to come too. He's the individual who chairs that oversight board. We invited him to come today too, and he wouldn't come. They, they, I, I'm convinced these guys knew right from the get-go what the truth was, and they misled the American people. Oh, here's the other thing. You know that conference call? That conference call? We got the emails regarding the conference call from February 2nd. 
All these guys, all these guys were emailing back and forth. They were on that conference call. Here's what we got on the FOIA request. Here's all their emails. Every single thing is redacted. Every single thing is redacted about what took place in that conference call because I'm convinced it was at that conference call where they said, we got to cover our tracks. And again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But Dr. Fauci could have been sitting right there and answering our questions and he wouldn't come today. What do you make of that? That's maybe the first time you've heard that clip. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of just it just goes back to everything about Fauci. I mean, and, and you know, as you, you and I keep saying about how this lie was brought upon us. I mean, that's that's all that I get from it in summary. I'm so angry, though. I, well, I mean, course, I want to uh, just course. I mean, wring you, his neck. You know, um, and we were watching uh, an episode of the uh, morning show. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. Uh, I really, I mean, I, I adore the actors in it. Steve Carell, uh, Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon. Well, um, you went to college with Steve Carell. Yeah, he was a little bit older what than What was me. his nickname when you were a DJ at He called himself Sapphire Steve because it was another guy who, was, <laughs> who, I don't even remember the other guy, but the other guy Diamond was Diamond Dave. Dave. But I was a DJ, too. But any, but any event, the point I was going to make was um, Billy how do you say his last crude up I love him he's great in the mo- in the show but there was a whole lot of time dedicated to, to a principal character in the story getting COVID and again the time frame of this is supposed to be circa March 2020 and as we were watching it I was like this is like going into a time capsule for like a nightmare and you wonder you, and the, the premise of the show is it's a television network, but there was a lot of attention being developed, uh, put around communicating how this main character had COVID and sharing this with the world. And I'm saying, is this a symbol of where we have come, that our key talking point right now is to talk about COVID and to talk about um, how we are still you know, bowing down to COVID. Now, I'm not trying to diminish the disease. Many people have died. It's not that it hasn't happened. But the fact that we haven't found a way to live with it and we are still going back to uh, well, going back. Going, I just yeah, want to make one more point. Yeah. Just going back to an earlier comment that I made at the onset of the show, that we're trying to hide what is not accurate information under the word or under the rubric of science. It's not an open discussion. And we're and we're parading something that is just conjecture as science because it's not science well you know the other part is we're being censored yes good doctors are being thrown under the bus by fauci yeah and uh it's just a one way or the highway kind of messaging and it's all from the radical left yeah and the radical left as we put into place and again if you missed it in the beginning of this show um, we put the uh, motive out there. Yeah. You know, that they want to control population. They want to um, do a lot of things with this globalism. They want to control people. They want to convert the vaccine passports to social credit score systems. You know, all of these things are, and then they want to rig elections yeah. with mail in balloting. So, you know, these are all things that the, ben- the benefit one party that's the democrat party and that's you know in the european union just look communist china was going to have to deal with trump for four more years they were in uh having to deal with phase one and phase yeah. two economic yeah. Yeah. trade and that would have been in etched in stone 
And they would have lost billions of dollars as a result of that. Well, phase one, phase two never happened. They already signed the contract and it didn't happen. And then you look at Brexit and this all happened. And now the people that voted for Brexit never fully, truly got what they wanted. No, they never did. And so the people have been denied. And then it's the constant deception. How is it that no one's getting the flu anymore? And don't tell me, oh, it's because they're wearing a mask and staying inside. No, they're calculating flu as COVID. And there's too much economic financial benefit to the hospitals. I read this one little tweet. And it really kind of had an interesting question. Why why is nobody dying of COVID at home? Because there's no money dying of COVID at home. No, they're dying in the hospital. And also, again... It's no, 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 but, I mean, you could say, oh, you're sick, you, you're, you're wheeled off the... No, this virus is supposed to be such that it will kill you. Right. And not only that, but it makes it very... It, it was very difficult to get into the hospitals at, at one point. Why, are, why is nobody dying in their lazy boy chair? Right. Why is nobody dying in their own bed? Because this is a systematic approach to giving back to the hospitals. The hospitals that are now woke, like everybody knows I've been to the hospital a lot this year, and everybody's from a different country. You know, every one of my nurses was from like Ethiopia or somewhere. And what I'm saying is, is that this globalism that's going on in the hospitals is just unprecedented. And the hospitals are benefiting in so many ways. But malpractice is going through the roof. I'm probably going to have a story to tell you one day about that. But in any case, it's all the lies and deception. And don't forget about the drug companies and how they're profiting. Because I just want to make another one point. The thing is, if you have, first we heard was two weeks to slow the spread. Then suddenly we, when the vaccines became available, which actually happened under President Trump's watch, you would now it's a third drug, a third shot we need, a third jab. I mean, when is it? When does it end? So this is a great question. Now, Israel Levant, I'm not a big fan of Israel Levant. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ezra Levant. Ezra Levant. Not a big fan of his. But, and I'm not a big fan of Rebel News. They're based out of Canada. They get involved with a lot of different stuff. But I do want uh, this this interview that his group put on from Rebel News was really um, unbelievable. And you're going to hear it. And wait till you hear it. Are vaccine mandates effective? Are, are, that's the question. Are max vaccine mandates effective? Here's what people in Toronto think. Okay, so yeah. what happens is this. What happens is this. This Omicron thing that they're now making up. Yeah. Guess what? Okay, now here's the... I'm going pre, to preview this clip I'm about to play for you. Yeah. But what, what, it, what, what ends up happening is this. If you're unva- in Canada and you're a police officer or you're a, uh, uh, I forget, I think it was a, war- a medical worker. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what ends up happening is this. You're not allowed to go to work if you're unvaccinated. Yeah. You have to stay home. Right. Okay. This is Toronto, Canada. So 
why is it that there's this huge spike of uh, vaccine? You know, uh, there's a huge spike of people getting infected. Huge. Yeah. It's through the roof. The pew. You know, the, the spike is through the roof. If everybody that's unvaccinated is supposed to stay home and the spike is happening where people who are vaccinated are congregating and working, what does that say about the vaccine? Yeah. How do you explain that? And this liberal woman, reasonable, she's re- she's not being, agi- you know, she's not a Karen, but she has trouble answering this question. Let's take a listen. While vaccinated and unvaccinated are spreading the virus at the same rates with this new variant. Oh, is this, is this the information that you know? That so, so already cues this up and he says, well, vaccinated and unvaccinated. So they're trying to say vaccinated. You know, Biden is trying to say vaccinated. Uh, if you're unvaccinated, you're a super spreader. But if you're vaccinated, well, they are spreaders, too. Probably super spreaders. But guess what? They're not counting it. They're not counting. CDC is not counting the breakthroughs. Right. Uh, they're not collecting that data. Israel well, wouldn't is. You, wouldn't you want to know if you've got holes in your theory? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so so let's take a listen. So he comes up with the premise, and she questions, where are you getting your data? Right? So just take a listen. While vaccinated and unvaccinated are spreading the virus at the same rates with this new variant. Oh, is this, is this the information that you know that nobody else has heard? I haven't heard anything about that. That vaccinated and unvaccinated are spreading at the same there's there's outbreaks happening among all vaccinated people there's no unvaccinated individuals in the facilities where these outbreaks are happening there's two police stations in toronto that have had outbreaks there's no unvaccinated individuals working there they're all at home they can't work so why is this happening your guess is as good as mine and i'll wait until uh the medical information is valid rather than hearsay and reading facebook we just keep this fake news sorry my business has been severely impacted by this i am the first to say i would love to see the back end of this we are all suffering i'm very sorry for those people if they lived on their principles enough said well and she walks away yeah but i think the question is a brilliant question yeah because he's basically saying how do you explain this then? If all the people that are allowed to work are vaccinated and they're seeing a huge spike, yeah. how do you explain that? Now, how do you explain and it? And she's like, oh, well, I'm going to wait for the government to lie to me some more. You know, the same government that's following China, uh, there's a new Amazon, uh, Amazon uh, greed. We all like Amazon, yeah. no? Not well, you know what? I kind of <laughs> have, to, I, I, like, I like my Kindle, <laughs> so... Amazon agreed to allow only five star reviews for President G's book. Yeah, I heard. I heard about that. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to write a book. But Ezra Levant came out with this. Okay, in light of what you just heard, that video clip, that audio clip. All right. Holy moly, Ezra Levant says, this study shows that. Now, pay attention, folks. This is important. This study shows that after three months. The vaccine effectiveness of Pfizer and Moderna against Omicron is actually negative. Yeah. Okay, this is a Yale study. Pfizer customers are 76.5% more likely, and Moderna customers are 39.3% more likely to be infected than unvaxxed people. And you also have to remember that Yale is very liberal. 
Yeah, well, so that, the, and this is coming okay. from Yale. So this study is over at Medrix, Medrix. No, okay, I'm just going to spell it. It's Med M E D R X I V dot org. That's M E D R X I V. Like R X as in the symbol, as in the abbreviation well, for pharmaceutical. A, I guess that's a Roman numeral fourteen. I, I, I don't no, know. that's a Roman numeral four. No, X- oh, or, or the, uh, no, RX is supposed to be drug. Oh, RX. Oh, yeah, four. MedRX4. Yeah. IV. Oh, well, IV also is a dubla. Yeah, exactly. Dubla, it's, a dubla, it's a dubla entendre. Very good pronunciation, Scott Adams. Vaccine effectiveness bien. against SARS-CoV-2 infection with the Omicron or Delta variants following a two-dose or booster BNT162B2 or MR. And in a 1273 vaccination series, a Danish cohort study. Okay, so now it's uh, the sponsors of this was Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory, BMJ, and Yale. Yeah. Okay, so this study is a you know very legit study, and the conclusion of the study is that after three months, the vaccine effectiveness of Pfizer and Moderna against Omicron is actually negative. Pfizer's customers are 76.5% more likely, and Moderna's customers are 39.3% more likely to be infected than unvaxxed people. Than unvaxxed people. people. That was the question I had. I said, I don't know if it's against comparing against unvaxxed. I'm unvaxxed. Yes, we know. I feel pretty safe. Yeah, yeah. Right about now. All right, so I don't really want to go and get a booster shot. I'm kind of like, what, what's the point? You know, it's like, yeah. Let's say let's take a read on a couple of these um, uh, tweets, and then we're going to get to a very uplifting clip. Uh, we didn't do a lot of Christmas talking. Well, we right did now, a little in the beginning, and and then I have a little more Christmas okay. talk to do at the well, very we'll, end. We'll, we're going to try to get to all that very so. end. We got limited time. So Kimberly Robinson writes this, uh, the Supreme Court will hear arguments over the legality of Biden's vaccine mandates on January 7th. And uh, what that would include is the case related to corporations with 100 employees or Uh more and uh, hospital workers. Rising Serpent. Now, this is a great tweet. Don't you find it curious and alarming that a government without the slightest qualms about using its power to render unvaccinated individuals unemployed doesn't also mandate vaccinations to receive welfare and unemployment. The war isn't against the virus. It's against you. Why, Why don't they have that same level of scrutiny for anything else? It's just always about you know, middle class, taxpaying, working Americans is who who's being attacked. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, and then there's so many other anomalies. We've not seen a, a spike in homelessness. We've not seen people dying at home. Uh, and you know, back in the day, like a year ago, there were people going around New York looking for hospitals that were busy, and they were all empty hospitals. Right. And what reminded me of this is when we were watching the morning show. Uh, over on Apple TV. And they were showing this hospital yeah. that was jam-packed. Yeah. You couldn't and, even get in. And again, that was, an a, our that was a proven lie. CBS was using fake footage mm-hmm. uh, to make their point, to dramatize and sensationalize. So breaking, Florida uh, court blocks federal contractor vax mandate. The judge says this, 
The absence of evidence suggests a ruse, a mere contra- contravance, superficially attempting to justify a sweeping, invasive, and unprecedented public health requirement imposed unilaterally by President Biden. That is a damning, yeah. you know. And Charlie Kirk writes, why is it considered racist to ask for a voter ID to vote, but progressive to require a vaccine card to go to a restaurant? So I want to listen to I want I want to share with you uh, this uh, really great um, uh, Madam Speaker. Uh, this is uh, watch Madison Cawthorn. He's a North Carolina congressman. Right. Yes. A couple of great clips. Now this is too long to play the whole thing. We're going to play a little bit. And how much time do you need, Leonora, to cover? What I you need want? about a minute. Okay. All right. So we're going to play this for a couple of minutes here. Let's take a listen. It'll inspire you. This guy is in a wheelchair. He's a congressman. He's off the charts patriotic. Uh, North Carolina seek recognition. <laughs> Madam Speaker, I seek unanimous consent to address the House for one minute. Without objection, the gentleman is recognized for one minute. Madam Speaker, you are not God. Your will does not bend the forest or shake the mountains. And let me assure you, your will does not bow the knee of millions of my countrymen who refuse to heed your callous command. To threaten arrest on others for their own personal medical decisions is nothing short of a medical apartheid, and I will not let it stand. For if I am to cowardly bend the knee here like those on the left wish, then what is to stop you all from taking your tyranny to the rest of this country that I love? How dare anyone in this institution attempt to dictate to the patriots of my staff how they may live their lives? For one to think that because they have the title honorable attached to their name means that they may dictate what others may say and think repulses me. What makes this nation special is that in this free land, the people are the royalty. So arrest us if you will, but I will not cower and I will not bend. Madam Speaker, you have come to take away our liberties. But Madam Speaker, in this country, you are outnumbered. With that, I yield back purpose as a gentleman from North Carolina seek recognition. I seek unanimous consent to address the House for one minute. Without objection, the gentleman is recognized for one minute. Madam Speaker, the Taliban is emboldened today. They have found a new reason to cry death to America. That reason is Joe Biden. His foreign policy is not America first, it's Taliban first. Mr. President, listen carefully, and I'll say it slowly just for you. No man left behind. That's leadership. Here's my pledge to the Taliban. You may chant death to America today, but mark my words, the levers of power will be in strong hands soon. If you harm an American, we will rain down vengeance upon you with the wrath and fury that will put the fires of hell to shame. Psalm 91 promises us that God will be our refuge and our fortress. But you do not worship my God or heed his promises. So when we come for you, there will be no refuge, no cave, no crevice you can crawl into that will save you from our wrath. So to those who hate America and all that we stand for, read my lips. I am young and I have a long memory. When power in Washington inevitably shifts, we will not forget you. Because we're in the business of killing terrorists. And pretty soon, business will be booming. With that, I yield back. Well, so there's a series of these. But those two, the Afghanistan... Yeah. I got to tell you, Madison Cawthorn, he's got my vote. No, he's, he's very eloquent. So, yeah, just a quick uh, comment about Christmas. Um, I did do a piece that's over at the American Spectator, uh, which is about the, the 
a Christmas Carol's lasting impact on holiday movies. And again, the, the tale of Ebenezer Scrooge, the man, the man who, at the end of the uh, the end of the play or at the end of the movie, uh, realizes the value of his of his every other man, the other people in the world, and he learns to show compassion because after he's visited by three ghosts in the middle of the night. That you know, my article is about how that story has had a lasting impact on. Film and I and I cite three examples. I cite uh, the Family Man with Nicolas Cage. I also cite uh, the Holiday, and um, and then I pick you know I pick a, a, a third uh, film as well, a well known one. It's a Wonderful Life, which is celebrating its seventy fifth anniversary this year. So check out my article, and uh, you know again one thing we need to remember about Christmas is Christmas is a time for us to be reflective. And think about the role that faith plays in our lives. And we need to, particularly in this time of COVID, we need to silence all these attempts to silence us and and all these attempts to get us to turn away from our faith and to turn away from our families. We don't give allegiance to the state. We give allegiance to God. Yeah, that's so well said. You know, Christmas is a special time of the year. And, uh, you know, it's been a trying year, too. It's this is def- not the end of the year show that we're doing. No, but, it's uh, been a trying year, but but you know what? Your faith is renewed, and that's the way you have to always look at it, is that you know you have to look at all these examples of people who have, been, who have had some type of uh, crisis, whatever it is. And, and the reason why we turn to the movies is because we're all struggling in one way or another, and we need affirmation that there's somebody else who is out there going through something similar to what we're going through. And that's why every year new movies are being made all over these networks telling the same old story over and over again. Before we run out of time, um, so uh, we, uh, at the end of the year, you and I watch some movies every year. Yes, we watch can the family. Can you fam- name them? Yes, I can. We watch The Family Man, uh, which is referenced in my article. Nick Cage. Nicholas Cage, it's, it's a play on uh, A Christmas Carol and also a play on It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. I, re- I highly recommend it, and you can read more about it in my article at spectator.org. Okay. And then we also watch When Harry Met Sally for New Year's, because two New Year's scenes. And we and more recently, we love La La Land. Nothing yeah. to do with the holidays, but we just love it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas uh, out there. Merry Christmas. Radio Land. Um, so Merry Christmas to everybody. Hope everybody has a wonderful Christmas and uh, gets to rejoice with their family and stay safe. And thank you all for tuning in to The Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out a podcast of this show by visiting scottadamsshow.com. With that, my name is Scott Adams. My name is Leonor Cravota. And we'll see you all next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Town in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in DC, but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there.